welcome to the Mobile Dev Memo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Sufert. I hosted a clubhouse room a few days ago to discuss the interview that Kara Swisher conducted with Apple CEO Tim Cook via the New York Times. And a few people had asked if I had recorded that and could share the recording, and uh, I did not record it. So I am going to try to capture the general thrust of what I discussed in that clubhouse room. I just gave about 10 to 15 minutes worth of commentary and then opened up the room to general discussion, which uh, was actually quite interesting uh, and went on for almost an hour. So this podcast is just a summary of my thoughts on that interview um, and where I think it was disappointing. So... The tech ecosystem had been waiting for Apple to defend ATT since last June, since ATT was announced at WWDC. And the tech ecosystem had been waiting for Apple to defend ATT in its own words, but with prodding, right? With prodding from an unbiased third party, because all of the communication from Apple to date has been one, one directional, right? It's been Apple sort of publishing... Uh, defenses of ATT and publishing justifications for ATT, for instance, in its A Day in the Life of Your Data infographic um, that that were not open to challenge, right? They were just communiques that were designed to be consumed. And what we had in this interview was the first real opportunity, I think, um, for someone to scrutinize ATT, for someone to scrutinize Apple's motivations, for someone to scrutinize the general benefit that consumers um, would glean from ATT from Apple's perspective for someone to scrutinize the benefits to Apple of ATT um, and, and for someone to do that with a very high profile, high stature Apple executive, right? And it gets no high, higher profile or higher stature than Tim Cook. And it also gets no higher profile than Kara Swisher in terms of uh, a tech journalist um, to have this conversation. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned at the outset that I think the interview was disappointing, but I... I want to be totally clear that I think Kara Swisher is a treasure. Um, She's probably the most incisive, the most relentless tech journalist working, and she can be absolutely dogged and unforgiving unforgiving when she's interviewing subjects. And I think the kind of canonical example of that um, is when she literally made Mark Zuckerberg sweat uh, in the interview that she uh, conducted with him at South by Southwest a few years ago. So I was really excited to see that she was going to be conducting an interview with Tim Cook and was hopeful that she would press Tim Cook on these points and really stress test um, Apple's argument that, well, ATT is nothing but upside to the consumer, right? We're just providing choice. That's all this is. We're giving users the choice to opt in or out. And the net benefit of that is uh, benefit to consumer. It's it's increased consumer welfare. I was really hoping that Kara Swisher would stress test that, that line of argumentation. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think she did. So, in the interview, I think Kara Swisher got to about the 50-yard line in terms of holding Apple accountable for this broad, sweeping privacy change they are instigating in the form of ATT. That's, that's my takeaway. So that said, uh, why was the interview significant? Well, I just you know, made the point that I don't think um, you know, she sort of like rigorously uh, scrutinized uh, Apple's motivations, but I nonetheless think it was a significant interview. And why, why do I think that? Well, for two reasons. One is, is that uh, Tim Cook gave a timeline 
for the rollout of ATT. He said ATT will be uh, rolled out in, in just a few weeks. Um, kind of paraphrasing there, I don't remember the exact wording, but he made the point that ATT was going to go live essentially in a few weeks, right? Um, and so given that, I think the second reason that the interview was significant was that it meant that this interview is it. That's all we're going to get. This is the last opportunity to hold Apple accountable for ATT, to, to force them to justify ATT. We will get nothing else before ATT goes live. And so this was really the last opportunity to probe ATT and to force Apple to substantiate a lot of the arguments they've made in favor of ATT um, and to challenge those arguments. This was the last opportunity. And so in recognition of that, I felt that the interview was deficient. And I'll lay out three reasons for why I feel that way. The first is that Kara Swisher stopped short of really pressing Apple on just how manipulative the positioning of ATT is. Um, she did recognize that the language on the ATT prompt is loaded. I believe she called it leading and essentially influences the user to opt out because why wouldn't they? The language basically evokes stalking. That's what she said. And why would any user uh, opt into being stalked? Why would any user subject themselves to that willingly? Um, and I made the same point a few months ago. I wrote a piece called, quote, allow this app to personalize advertising for you, unquote, where I made the case that the language is designed to, to position what the user is opting in or opting out of, what the user is making a choice about as being purely negative, right? Just being tracked, right? That's a, that's a loaded word. That's an intimidating word. Um, but it doesn't reveal what the consequences of opting out would be, right? If you're going to pro provide a user with a choice of something, generally you want to educate them as to what the outcome of that choice will be in either direction, right? I opt in or I opt out. Well, if I opt in to tracking, what do I receive in return for sort of, you know, surrendering uh, the, the trackability of my data? Well, we don't know. Apple doesn't make that clear. I mean, those of us who understand the advertising ecosystem um, are cognizant of that, but the user is not, and they're certainly not cognizant of that um, as a result of reading the opt-in prompt text, right? What they are sort of made aware of is that this thing called tracking happens and it could not happen if they so choose, um, but they aren't made aware of what benefit tracking has. And so why would anybody opt into tracking? Um, they have no incentive to. Um, and that's, that's the point I've been making all along is not only is this language leading and it's, it's intimidating and it's, it's in my mind designed um, to give uh, users this false sense that, you know, something untoward uh, or something scandalous is happening with their data. And by the way, you can uh, prevent that from happening. Um, but it withholds any information around the benefit that they get from targeted advertising, which is a, a sort of nicer experience, a more pleasant experience because they're not being exposed to a bunch of irrelevant ads. Um, B, it's free access to content. It's free access to their favorite free apps um, because the, the, existence of those apps is mostly predicated on the ability to target users um, in a personalized way with, with advertising and to sell advertising that's uh, targeted in that way. 
And so if Apple made the case, as I sort of posited in, in this article from a few weeks ago, uh, or if it explained, if it positioned uh, the, the sort of outcome of the opt-in prompt as, well, hey, if you, you do you want to opt into this app allowing uh, ads to be personalized to you, then everybody would probably say yes, or some large preponderance of people would say yes, because there's nothing but upside there. Of course, I only want targeted ads. If the option is between targeted ads and non-targeted ads, why would I not uh, choose? Why would I not prefer targeted ads? Um, there's nothing but upside in targeted ads. Well, the way Apple is proposing uh, that choice is now like, well, do you want to be tracked uh, or not? Because there's nothing but upside in not being tracked. Well, the, the, the sort of uh, unfortunate um, kind of reality is that there are trade-offs between privacy and utility and the, 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 the user's not being made aware of, the, of those trade-offs and it's ridiculous. Uh, it would be ridiculous to propose that the text should read, do you want to allow this app to personalize advertising for you because that's leading and that's loaded um, and that doesn't present you know what the what any sort of downside to that is well it's equally ridiculous to phrase the choice as between tracking or non-tracking and that's it that's the extent of the choice because there actually is a much more consequential outcome um, at stake here which is that many of you know the sort of apps that these users enjoy using may become economically non-viable if targeting ads uh, or personalized advertising gets diminished to the extent that it no longer exists, right? And that's that's withheld from that text. Apple has not addressed that at all. And I really wish Kara Swisher would have pushed Tim Cook on that. She went halfway. She got halfway there. She said, "Look, you're you're intimidating people into opting in. Who would who would say yes to stalking?" And she said something pretty similar to that. She said, "This basically sounds like stalking. Why would anyone opt into that?" Um, and you know, Tim Cook's response was totally insufficient. He, he, he just, and he, and he, he made, he, he sort of approached many questions uh, this way. He just said, look, Kara, we're just offering a choice. It's just a choice. Users can opt in if they want. Well, every user is not totally intimately familiar with the mechanics of, of advertising, right? And so they have no real knowledge of what they're losing out on if they opt out, right? It's an unknown unknown. Um, well, of course, they're going to opt out if you're leading them in that direction by sort of framing the choice as between this scary thing happening or this scary thing not happening and no other consequence, um, you know, derived from that choice. And Kara Swisher did let him get away with that. He hand waved a lot of questions away with, well, uh, you know, privacy is an unqualified good. And why would we not be uh, advocates for more privacy? More privacy is good and less privacy is bad. Well, there are many things in life that we perceive to be good. I perceive ice cream to be good. I perceive being healthy and fit to be good. Uh, but those things are sort of diametrically opposed on a spectrum of mutual exclusivity. Well, there's a trade-off to be made between privacy and utility in the context of, of digital products, right? The more data that's collected, uh, the better those products function, uh, the, the, the more value they can deliver to the user. Well, obviously, that's at the cost of some uh, level of privacy. And Apple and Apple in, in, in the interview, Apple generally in, in the interview, Tim Cook did not acknowledge that trade off. And that's it's unfortunate that Kara Swisher did not push him to acknowledge that trade off. The second reason I felt that the interview was deficient and it kind of dovetails with what I was just talking about was that. You know, app, you know, Tim Cook absolutely dismissed outright the idea that there are any real arguments against ATT from a consumer benefit standpoint. So very similar to what I was just talking about, but he was allowed to do that. And he was allowed to utilize one word to do that, right? He just, he just called them flimsy. 
he said, well, we've heard these arguments from Facebook, um, you know, sort of contending that ATT is, is, uh, is not beneficial for consumers or it's, it's in some way detrimental to consumers. And we all know those are flimsy, right? Well, how, how could you just be allowed to dismiss this line of argumentation away by calling it flimsy without providing any sort of substantive supporting evidence, right? They're not prima facie flimsy. I don't think they're flimsy. I think they've, they are, many arguments are, are very reasonable against this. I think it's a nuanced situation. Um, it's not a case of more privacy good, less privacy bad. There are trade-offs that have to be made. And you can't use the word flimsy without any supporting evidence and not be considered yourself to be employing flimsy arguments. Um, I don't understand why Kara Swisher didn't make him even identify what the arguments are. I mean, it's one thing to, to call them flimsy and to call them uh, prima facie invalid, but you aren't even acknowledging what they are. Well, that in itself is a, fl is a flimsy line of argumentation. Um, I, I just wish Kara Swisher had pushed Tim Cook on that instead of allowing him uh, to dodge the issue completely with a single word. Okay, and I think the third reason I found the interview to be deficient is that there was no exploration of what are the long-term implications of ATT, right? So even putting aside, uh, first of all, the, the, the interview focused uh, very intently on Facebook, which I felt also was unfortunate because, you know, obviously the impact of ATT is going to go much wider than just Facebook. Facebook's been, you know, very vociferous in its operate, uh, opposition to ATT, but it's, it's far from the only company that's going to be impaired by ATT. And I think by exclusively identifying Facebook as a victim of ATT, you skew people's perception of the magnitude of this change on the mobile ecosystem at large and on their own lives, right? My sense is that public perception of Facebook is pretty negative. I mean, I've never seen any hard data on this. I'm sure Facebook conducts surveys. Um, but my, my belief is that, you know, on in aggregate, uh, kind of consumer opinion of Facebook is, is negative. And so if, if they're seen as the, the sort of sole uh, victim of ATT, well, then, you know, consumers are, are going to probably be by default in support of ATT, right? Because if, you know, in general, I think people believe Facebook to be harvesting much more data than it does and, and using that data in fairly nefarious um, and, and, and personally uh, impactful ways. And so if you just say, well, this, this policy is really just a means of constraining Facebook, then most people are probably going to cheer that on. If they knew that this would impact, you know, the entire app economy writ large, they'd probably be less supportive of it. Um, and it, that is in fact the case. It's going to impact every advertiser. It's going to impact every advertiser that runs mobile ads, not just app install ads, but uh, D2C brands running uh, web ads and, and their favorite uh, e-commerce shops running web web ads um and you know their favorite free apps running you know mobile app install ads so it's not just facebook that gets impaired by this even in terms of ad platforms of course every ad platform is impacted by this but it, it's just much 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 more broad than merely being focused on facebook and and i i kind of wish that you know the whole conversation about uh, how Facebook's competitor and how this impacts Facebook and Tim Cook being able to say, well, I don't care about Facebook. Well, a lot of people feel that way. They, they use Facebook kind of begrudgingly, right? They hold their nose and, and use Facebook because they have to, because all their friends are there, or Instagram, because all their friends are there. Um, but they have, there's like sort of no sympathy for the company. 
um, in any sort of impairment to its business operations. Well, yes, but you know, all of your favorite free apps are going to be impaired by this. And, you know, Kara Swisher didn't touch on that, but, um, you know, she also didn't touch on what any of the long-term implications are going to be, right? If you say, well, hey, Facebook is the sole sort of victim of this. And so um, if, if Tim Cook says he doesn't care about Facebook, that ends the conversation. Well, what about the entire freemium app ecosystem and really the open internet? Um, what about that? And, and, and what are, what are going to be, be the consequences like kind of medium and long-term of ATT? Well, if she reads mobile dev memo, and I don't think she does, but if she does, then she, she might believe that content fortresses are going to be the consequence of that. And are consumers better off in the world of content fortresses than they are today when things are sort of much more accessible via these performant, uh, targeted paid ads via personalized advertising. If I can grow my business sort of independently of any kind of, you know, beneficiary or a uh, larger sort of like mercantilist platform and discoverability sponsor because I can you know run performance ads and scale my product that way. Is that better off for consumers than if I enter into a partnership essentially with a platform and run my business there and service all content interactions there? Um, is that better for consumers, right? Because that just seems like it's gonna create more walled gardens. Um, there's gonna be less accessibility for, for startup companies, for for small companies um, and less of an ability for small companies to grow. It's just gonna concentrate uh, more and more engagement in fewer and fewer properties. Are we better off in that environment? Well, Apple's kind of indifferent to that, right? And my sense, my thesis is that the content fortress is the second order effect of that change. You just increase the number of walled gardens while also increasing their dependency on Apple, which Apple likes. But in the end, Apple is pretty much indifferent to whether you have a handful of very large platforms that have subsumed all content interaction, or you have very many, or you have a very long tail of independent apps that are able to market to consumers directly um, in a very efficient way and, and, and scale their businesses in a kind of linear fashion um, just by recycling revenue into performance advertising. Well, Apple, if Apple is indifferent to that, that's fine for Apple, but is the consumer better off? Um, and that question wasn't even broached. From Tim Cook, we just received this kind of facile, insubstantive, superficial line of argumentation, which was that, well, more privacy is good. And so if the consumer gets more privacy, then on net, they're better off without exploring, you know, what the sort of structural impacts of ATT would be on the mobile app ecosystem. And if those second order impacts uh, of ATT would actually benefit the consumer or not. My uh, my argument is that they will not. My argument is that the consumer um, is probably worse off in that environment and their privacy is not even better protected because they're just sort of being tracked, quote unquote, uh, across first party data and first party properties rather than being tracked between, you know, first party and third party properties. And I don't, I don't see why that's fundamentally better. Um, if their data is the exact same amount of data is being collected, um, it's being used in exactly the same type of way. It's just all being utilized within the context of a single company's purview. Is that fundamentally better in terms of privacy? Is that meaningfully better in terms of privacy for consumers than if one company collects data on them and, and sends that to another company? Um, well, I don't, I don't see why that's the case. Um, and, and that question was not posed to Tim Cook and, and we never really moved past the notion in the interview that, well, more privacy is an unqualified improvement and less privacy is an unqualified detriment. 
And so if we offer the choice of more privacy, then um, we're only benefiting the consumer and there's no possibility that, you know, their positioning is weakened vis-a-vis uh, -vis privacy or vis-a-vis, -vis, you know, content access or vis-a-vis -vis anything else. And that was unfortunate. So for these reasons, I think the interview is disappointing. Um, I still appreciate, you know, the fact that, you know, someone so powerful was at least questioned and, and sort of made to acknowledge ATT. Um, but I wish uh, it, the interview had gone a little deeper into some of these topics. Um, and that is my takeaway. I appreciate you listening, and I will see you on the Mobile Dev Memo Slack or elsewhere. Yeah.